Well, this is it. This is all I got. Season one, episode 10, the grand finale of the No Code podcast. My guest was my best friend, Scott Parker. He's a big time entrepreneur down in DC area, specifically Arlington, Virginia. He owns restaurants, bars, barber shops, dog daycares, gyms, you name it, he does it. Scott is an incredibly interesting guy. We went all the way back to August, 1996. Take the listeners to the whole journey of our friendship. High school, college, weird post-college years. Scott's battle with alcoholism, his sobriety, the recovery. Just an incredible story about how all that came to fruition in his life. And he was able to use that momentum to launch his businesses and ultimately become a huge success story. I hope our friendship really comes through on this. We told some funny stories, a lot of jokes in there. I think this will be a really enjoyable one. Thank you, everybody who listened all year. I'm really touched by the outpouring of support that this podcast has gotten. I didn't expect it. It's my first time doing it, and it's been just unbelievable. Happy holidays, and enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome. This is it. This is the finale. Season one, episode 10. I brought in the only guy that I know that knows how to really close. And that, <laughs> and that is the king of Arlington, Virginia, by way of Summers Point, New Jersey, Mr. Scott Parker. I'm here. I've, I've, we, I've been waiting for this moment for 24 years. When we, when we met in 1996, I remember that we said to each other on that soccer field, one day in the year 2020 during a global pandemic, you and I will talk together on a podcast. Yeah, because <laughs> number one, we even really knew what a pandemic was. Number two, the Internet was even really a thing. And number three, the word podcast had even been invented yet. Yeah, we, we were forward thinkers like that, though. I remember us saying to each other on that field and in, in what was probably August 96 that we one day I would be a guest on your podcast. And I'm happy that, you know, that vision came to reality. It is great to have you, man. Thanks. What a what a year. What a way to close the year by uh, sitting down for. A nice 45 minutes to an hour here and, and chatting away at what has been the absolute strangest journey of our lives for all of us out there. Yeah. Just an insane thing. But uh, awesome to have you, man. So we're going to we Thanks. are going to go back to 96 and then work our way forward. But before <laughs> oh. we do that. So this is going to be like a six to eight hour podcast. Right? <laughs> just, just settle in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But before we get into that, I got to go uh, to a more recent thing because um, I saw you post out on Instagram a couple of days ago. You're launching yet another new business down in uh, the D.C. metro area called Nighthawk Pizza. I, I want to just hear about that first and then we'll and then we'll go into the old days. Yes, sir. Um, so, yeah, Nighthawk Pizza is going to be uh, a couple blocks from amazon's new headquarters uh their hq2 and for people that don't know arlington that well um some around the way or around the country what, what have you may have started to uh, raise a couple eyebrows with with art with amazon coming to arlington with their you know twenty five thousand new people and it's in a part of town known as crystal city slash pentagon city right by reagan airport um and we are doing this as a, a sort of a three-way partnership between um my food group as well as uh, Aslan, which is a beer company in Virginia, known as being one of the biggest, one of the best, if not the biggest and best, truly, truly uh, awesome brand. And then a guy named Johnny Sparrow, who is a DC chef of Netflix fame and um, just a great guy with an awesome restaurant called Reverie in DC, um, has worked at, uh, you know, the the biggest and 
best, uh, you know, worldwide. He, he worked for a time at Noma uh, overseas. And so just a really, really, really talented guy and awesome person. And so we're putting these three groups together. We're doing a concept called Nighthawk Pizza. It's going to be a uh, 10,000 square foot beer hall slash brew pub where we'll make our own beer on site through uh, our partners at, at Aslan and, and um, you know, the stuff that they do. Um, and yeah, that's it. We're pumped, man. Uh, you know, in a, in a world of, of uh, you know, retail apocalypse pandemic world where a lot of new stuff is not getting announced and people are not signing leases. You know, we, we went forward anyway. We, we signed for 10,000 square feet and they're taking the leap. And so we're excited. It should be ready next fall. That's a monster space, 10,000 feet. I mean, that's, uh, that's not messing around. Is that with the kind of the back end brewing on site altogether, or is that just 10,000 feet of, of store for the, uh, for the customers? Yeah, that's, that's the whole footprint that includes the kitchen that includes the, the brewery. So that's, that's all in. And it is a big space. You know, we have another uh, restaurant that we're a part of that, that um, is 10,000 square feet, but it's over three floors and it has a rooftop and there's a lot of back of the house space. So there's a lot of floor space for this. It's a, it's a really big one. Um, and so it has to be quite the draw and, and we'll see what happens. Well, Crystal City, uh, that ain't a bad place to put it. Yeah, from what I hear on the, uh, you know, commercial real estate front with Amazon, I mean, that's going to be just an incredible opportunity. And, uh, you know, what I think is cool is, you know, marrying the pizza and and craft brew concept because, you know, there's a ton of craft breweries all over the the country right now, but especially in you know major metropolis areas. Yeah, I know around Philly they got some great ones. You know, Yards Brewery, Evil Genius um victory brewing i mean there's a ton of of really great ones but and a lot of them do have food concepts with it but you don't usually see like a focus on pizza with that i mean it might yeah. be part of the menu but it's a lot of times it's like gastro pub and yep. burgers and creative silly tater tots and, and <laughs> stuff like that but uh but pizza i mean it makes all the sense in the world i want to eat pizza when i drink beer no one no doubt i mean it's it's a uh, both both things are obviously loved by such a large percentage of the the population and so there's been a lot of feedback of people just saying like very very matter-of-factly i love pizza and i love beer so i'm gonna love this place <laughs> so yeah man it's a, it's a it's a combo that is easily sold i think yeah i mean it's kind of weird it's almost like that's the idea that's been sitting there for people and yet not many or if any that i know have done it you know like why not yeah yeah so no that's that's great man so did did covid um impact that process of of putting it together did it start idea start before covid and you had to kind of navigate through it how did that sort of come to fruition yes it definitely started before um you know we we still would like you know we didn't have to do that much a lot of the past few months has been negotiating on the the lease and legal stuff and so we didn't have to do that much in-person stuff we did see the space like once or twice you know with masks on and all that stuff over the past bunch of months but um you know, if anything, it can help you really, I think, get a, get a good deal um, by by going after spaces and, and opening new businesses right now because, um, you know, there's just a lot of opportunity out there. It's obviously a very terrible thing that, um, you know, there's, there's so many businesses closing, but uh, what that does from a real estate standpoint, if you are a small business operator and you want to open something new, um, you know, now you can negotiate a, a better deal with these monstrous landlord companies who have all the real estate and all the money and all the power and you're the little guy trying to get um you know some some deal with them well now you can negotiate a lot more because there are so many more empty spaces so for companies that are in growth mode or people that are in growth mode now can be a beneficial time to look for for new spaces if you're if you're trying to put more out there 
Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, a lot of those, those owners, I mean, it, it, it sucks for them flat out, no joke, but, but they're going to be fine in the long run. I mean, they've got, you know, good assets that are going to bounce back and, you know, they might be cash strapped for, for, you know, 12, 18 month period. And they might have to go back and, you know, renegotiate some of their the terms on their loans and stuff like that. But for the most part, you know, they'll make it out. It's, it's like you said, the small business is the little guy yeah. that, Hey, why not be a little bit opportunistic when you can sign a great five, 10 year deal. And then you've got, um, you know, lower cost structure for your business to operate over time, yep. more profit, more jobs, more stores to open. And at the end of the day, that's maybe not a bad thing for the economy versus a super tight landlord favorable market where you got to spend an arm and a leg to, to occupy your space. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And, um, you know, I think something for people that are, are not really in this world, something to keep in mind is if you're signing now, you can get a great deal now. That doesn't mean you're opening now in the middle of all this. Um, but you're probably going to open in you know nine to 12 months or longer, you know, far, further right. away by the time you get through the whole process. So, you know, you can say you can take advantage of a great deal and, and knock on wood, be hopeful that by the time you open it's next fall, next winter. And hopefully we're all in a better place. Hey, buy low, sell high. That's that's pretty much the uh, <laughs> main, main thing, right? Yeah, <laughs> sure. Exactly. So, all right. So that's great. That's coming together. So let's now let's travel back in time to August 1996 yeah. on the mainland regional high school soccer field. Yeah. The first time you and I met um, a lot of our other buddies around that time, too. I mean, you'd grown up, grown up with with Jim Gaffney and Brad Moore and you know, the other guys on that soccer team that I would come to meet. You grew up in Summers Point. I grew up in Northfield. You know, we play soccer together. We go to high school. We, uh, you know, really, I think uh, our friendship really started to grow probably towards the end of junior year. And then, uh, you know, really came together in our uh, our senior year guitar class with Mr. Griffin. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, that's where a couple of young shredders just, you know, came into class and just started showing people what was up on the guitar. That's right. That's right. Shout out to Mr. Griffin. That was a good time. That was a good time. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we also had a, a third member of the party in that class, the uh, unfortunately late and uh, dearly departed Sean Hartley, yes. a.k.a. the, the Hitman. Hit <laughs> yeah, RIP to uh, our boy and our old friend, Sean Hartley. Great guy. And uh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, it was obviously a tough situation to uh, lose our good buddy Hart a couple years ago. Uh, you know, unfortunately, he fell victim to uh, addiction, which, you know, we've seen a lot of our, our people we grew up with in Atlanta County, um, you know, fall victim to that, which is, is really a shame. Yeah. I mean, um, it's, it's a huge thing nationwide, a disaster and you see it really badly. And, uh, where we're from, um, you see, obviously he's not the only, um, person we know who's been affected, uh, other people's family who we, we grew up with and other kids we knew growing up and, and it sucks, man. It's a, it's a, it's a big problem for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, obviously we go through, go through high school. Um, you know, I, go to Villanova, stay kind of local. You made your way down to James Madison University, which uh, is the uh, party capital of America. Um, <laughs> At least and, Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> Harrisonburg, <laughs> Virginia, right? Yes, Harrisonburg. It's, it's a wild place and a beautiful place, a great school that has skyrocketed. I think when, when, I think when we went to college, there was like 12,000 kids, and now there's like almost 30,000 or something that go there. And um, – 
Yeah, amazing time, amazing uh, school, amazing party school, as you referenced. No doubt, I definitely got 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 it, got my fill. Uh, so yeah, JMU. Yeah, and and we used to visit each other a lot uh, during college, and you know, I mean, usually it was a better time at Villanova. Yeah, except uh, not really so much at all. <laughs> not, not, I don't even know, uh, not really at all. But uh, I think we we made fun with what we had. That's yeah, we, that we did what we could. Yeah, you know, I, I think I think part of the issue is, uh, you know, I don't think we managed to really do much of that senior year um, when uh, I was of legal drinking age to go to the bars because, you know, no knock on my alma mater. But when you're you're not of, uh, you know, of age, it's kind of hard to get things done on campus. You got to you got to sneak around off campus to different spots. And it's not the uh, yeah. it's not the same college town party vibe as JMU. I will say that. Yeah, no doubt. So I remember that um, back in those days, uh, every time I checked your AOL Instant Messenger, uh, uh, you know, notification when you were away, your away message. I forgot what it was called for a minute, but it's it's somewhat of an old technology, although a favorite of mine. Um, it was always a library, then keg at the ridge. That's it. I would, <laughs> I, would, I would hit the library all day and hit the bottle all night, baby. <laughs> 100 percent uh you know shout out to my good friend pete cassiano uh yeah. of villanova but he used to i remember one day he he pulled me aside he's like um parker's away message is always the same uh library then keg at the ridge <laughs> is that what he does every day i'm like yeah that's what <laughs> he goes to class he's done around one or two he hits the library hard for three, four hours, and then he hits other stuff hard for the rest of the night. One hundred percent. That that was the plan all day, every day. And uh, I'm lucky I made it through. I think back to that, like, how the hell did I get through those classes? There's a lot of partying going on, but um, was glad to get it done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it's it's. I would say I I really enjoyed my college experience, but one thing I I kind of missed out on was that the vibe of like going to a decent sized school and like a big college town, you know, which yeah. is like you said, Jamie, wasn't huge at the time, but it was a college town. I mean, the college was the whole thing. You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, it was, it was a surge, you know, during, during, uh, you know, fall and spring for sure. I mean, the, the, the whole city surged and the kids were everywhere. So it definitely had that feel 100%. Yeah. And, and for the listeners out there that, um, want to hear a very bizarre strange story from back in those times um when uh senior year of high school uh, i'm sorry so summer after senior year of high school um my dad my stepmom my little brother mike had to move out to chicago for my dad's work it, it took him out there and they left in early august and uh, you know they i remember the day they got in the car they drove out there i was waving goodbye they were keeping a rental place uh back in linwood new jersey uh, a place we called Sandy Court. And yeah. um, the moment they drove away, it was, you know, an emotional goodbye. But then within about 15 seconds, I had called you and uh, probably some of our other members of our crew. And we had about a month of the summer of, of partying pretty aggressively at this house of which no adults were present. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that carried into uh, the fall of that year, too, our, our freshman year of college. Yeah. And, and we had like a fall break, I think, at least a few of us at, you know, Villanova, a couple of our buddies at Rutgers, you know, one of our buddies at Temple. And and you guys down at JMU, I don't think had one or if you did, it didn't line up with with our time. So 
I got in the car with one of our buddies one morning and we drove to JMU to pick you up, to bring you back to South Jersey for one night of, of partying. Yeah, for one weekend, but all but yeah, but the one dri- weekend, yeah. But the drive all in one day, back to back. I mean, ten hours for you guys, five hours more. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ten hours for you guys, five for me. I mean, it, it that was a, a very aggressive situation. <laughs> uh, you know, I think the thing with having that house before senior year of college is it just sort of was an unheard of thing. I mean, you might have yeah. like someone's family leaves for a weekend, or someone's parents go out of town for a night, but back then, like. You know, for for a house to be vacated for thirty for a month, you know, and especially in the summer right before we went to college, I mean, it was like the perfect storm and a almost a, so, a social experiment for what not to do yeah. with eighteen year olds. And uh, you know, we got it and we we, we used it. We used yeah. it for every last bit that it was worth. That was a hell of a time. Yeah, and uh, apologies to Phil, Lisa. Um, we're sorry. We're sorry for what we did. Well, you I mean, you was... might be, let's, let's, you know, you might be, please don't speak for me. I'm not that sorry. And, uh, you know, your dad knows me. If he has a problem, he knows he can come and see me. <laughs> he knows exactly where to find you. That's right. Oh my God. You got a problem, Phil, if you have, Phil, if you have a problem, you can call me anytime. If you're listening to this and you have a problem, you can call me anytime. I'll meet you any place you want. <laughs> oh my God. Oh man. Well, that was a classic situation. That that was a strange, strange period of our lives. And and uh, eventually they figured out what we did there. And there were some pictures. And I blame our both of our little brothers, uh, Paul and Tyler, for that, because they they then inherited it at an even younger age and had a couple of parties there. And they took they took pictures. You know, this is back in the day of pictures that needed to be physically developed. Yes. At a store. And they literally they got wedged in between the couch and Lisa, my stepmother found them one day oh. and they were just fully documented everything. Right. I mean, <laughs> if you, if you want to get caught having a party at your parents' house, this is the way to do it. That was amateur. T- hour t- right t- take a lot of photos and leave those photos in the house where you were partying. <laughs> exactly. Uh, That's great. So anyway, you know, college happens and, and, you know, um, I think you did five years down there and, and, you know, so I was done a year before you and I went to work with KPMG out in the real world. You finished up your last year down there and and somewhere around the one year mark of my professional life. I get a phone call from uh, this guy from Jersey City, John Zaccardi, about a, uh, a restaurant that he is part of the management team opening up down in Linwood, New Jersey, called Savaraudio. <laughs> yeah. And I say it with an English accent because the investor is an Englishman, so I can do that. So he, uh, John Zaccardi, calls me up. He's like, "Hey, Don, listen, we got this thing going on. We we need uh, somebody we can trust with the finances." So he calls me up. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm you know no no knock on KPMG. Love that company. Still have a lot of friends there. Great start to my career, but I wasn't feeling the uh, the public accounting world. And uh, I decided, hey, you know, let's take a shot here. Yeah. And uh, this was a, a huge operation. I mean, 315 seats. It was close to a $5 million investment. It was, a, I think, a 13,000-foot total space, um, which, as you can attest to in the restaurant world, that's a, that's a big space. Um, 
You still there? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I thought I lost you for a second. Um, <laughs> of course I'm here, man. I didn't take a, <laughs> like I, I, I didn't take another call. I'm here, man. I thought you were gonna keep going. <laughs> uh, sometimes, I, yeah, I get paranoid with this audio. I, I I don't hear somebody for a minute. I think I think the thing busted out. But uh, uh, so anyway, so so I agree to do it, and I, I decide that while I do that, I'm gonna go get my MBA so that you know if this risky move doesn't pan out, I at least have uh, a master's degree to fall back on. Yeah. And around the same time, you're finishing school and don't really know what you want to do yet. Yeah. So, you know, I decided, hey, man, come over to Saberadio. Yeah. You know, you can wait on some tables, make some cash while you figure it out. Yeah. Um, and then and then we decided to take a step further and we decided to uh, go get a rental house in Summers Point. Yes. Um, and then things got weird. Yeah, things got very weird. I don't think I, I at that time was thinking about getting an MBA like you. I, I don't know what I was thinking about back then, but uh, it became a weird scene. It definitely did. It definitely did. And, uh, you know, we rented the house with our other good buddy, John Rennick, who is now, funny enough, one of your partners down in the D.C. metro area and the restaurant game. Yep. And uh, great guy. And we had one other guy that one of the other slot was a rotating crew. It started with uh, Sean Hansberry yep. and went over to Rich Pittman. That's right. And uh, it, it, it was a place where um, I, I, I had some fun. It was a crazy scene and I, I would never want to go back. No. <laughs> it was, it was, um, it was like living in a full on, you know, small frat house. But the only problem was we weren't in college anymore. Yeah, the only problem was we were 24. Yeah, that, that and, was a big uh, problem. That was a, that was a huge problem. The other guys were younger than us. Yeah, I don't even know if they were. Well, I guess they, they were, were like 20, 21. Yeah, they were. They were like still in that in that scene. And uh, yeah, we were. We were. It was. A, it was a pretty wild place. There was a pool table in there, but we turned it into a, a card table. Yeah. And I think there was a card game every night, yeah. and it usually went to about three in the morning. Yeah. And one of our roommates, I was I was the adult responsible for collecting the uh, the rent every month for all four of us and paying the landlord, and uh, he always paid me the last possible day, and he would not be able to pay me until he won that money at the poker table. <laughs> I mean that, that that that's pushing it to the limit, man. But he always got it done. Yeah. It was like four hundred bucks. I remember it was like four hundred bucks for a room in that house. It was like sixteen hundred bucks to rent the house. Yeah. That's exactly yep. right. He always got it. Though. Yeah. He always got it. That he was really good. Yeah. He was just like, good. He beat me every time. Yep. Yeah. But um, anyway, so that, that goes on for a while. And, and you tell me, I mean, what, what drove you to decide like, okay, I got to figure something out here. And, and what drove you to make the move to go down to DC? Yeah. You know, I guess um, a lot of all my JMU friends were in DC, uh, the proximity from JMU to the DC area. They were all here. They all were actually in Arlington, you know, uh, Virginia, Across the, right across the water from D.C. and sort of a, a, an up-and-coming suburb, now a super busy suburb. You know, that was 2006. And um, I think, you know, just being home, I, I just couldn't figure out what I wanted to do and, and what opportunities were around. And my, my personal life with hardcore drinking and just getting fucked up all the time was, was not doing great. My professional life, um, you know, was not doing great. I didn't know what I wanted to do, sort of bouncing from this job to that job. And so nothing was going well uh, for me and and my friends uh, down in the D.C. area in Arlington, uh, Virginia, everything was going well for them. They were having a great, you know, personal life and, uh, you know, a lot of young people and, and post-college people you know, around this area and just 
fun nights out and, and a busy social life. And they were doing great professionally too. They had good uh, careers that they liked and were making good money and, and, and living it up. And so I was seeing that and they were telling me, you know, come down here, come down here. I didn't know much about Arlington, but um, you know, I guess it was October, 2006. Uh, I made the move finally and, and left uh, South Jersey and came down here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember it being, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, we're best friends and, and, and it sucks to see you go somewhere else. But at the same time, I was mostly just, just happy to see you make that yeah. move, you know, like it was like, all right, this is, this is something that's, that's a good long-term decision, yep. Yep, you yep. know? And that's no knock on, on where we come from. I mean, it's still home for me. I'm still less than an hour away. Um, but there are a limited number of paths forward yep. when you live in that area because there's just no critical mass. Yep, there's, exactly. you know, Atlantic city at this point, I think is like 35,000 people. The whole County is, is a little over 200,000. So, yep. you know, and look, there's, there's positive signs um, on the horizon for AC and, and, and my, I mean, my family's part of it with, uh, with my dad, and my brother's company going into Bally's yeah. and, uh, and, and buying that. And they've got some great ideas and a couple recent new investments down there too, that as soon as we get through COVID are, are, are going to pick up nicely. But at the same time, it's, it's, again, if you go into that business, great. If you're smart and you work hard, you can, you can make a living, but if you're not going to do that or something that's kind of ta- tangential to that, um, it, it can be yeah. tough. It can be tough versus a major metro like D.C., Northern Virginia, Southern Maryland, where, I mean, what is it, six some million people or something? Um, I want to say it's big, I want to say it's bigger than that. I thought the I thought the, the, the yeah. whole sprawl was like eleven million or something. I for, I for, I for, uh, it, it might I be. might be wrong. I might be wrong on that. Um, you know, but but yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot. It's a to your point. It's critical mass. A lot of opportunity. A lot of big companies. A lot of small companies. A lot of startups. Um, and just critical mass, you know, more, more people with, uh, you know, that are making more money per square mile. And so there's just, just, a, just more opportunities in general. Yep. Yep. So you get down there and, you know, you start working in sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was your first thing? First thing was insurance, was auto home and life insurance, uh, for Liberty Mutual. Uh, I did that for about seven or eight months, you know, almost lost my mind there. And then, you know, did, did other corporate sales, uh, business to business stuff, selling various software products over the phone and through the web to companies, you know, sort of around the country. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but while that's happening in, in, I guess in the back of your mind or maybe the front of your mind, you're starting to formulate a plan Mm -hmm. to do something bigger. And, and what was that? I I guess uh, just as I got into my mid twenties, I don't know when I, you know, got the idea, but, I just looked at sort of the the nine to fives I had and the corporate work I had done in a really bad way and looked at the restaurant work I had done in a, in a really good way. And back then I was, you know, I, I really just loved being on my feet and working in restaurants. I was doing some party promoting back then. I certainly was still doing a lot of partying myself, um, eventually got into bartending. And so sometime in my mid twenties, I just got this idea that I wanted to become a bar owner and I decided it was what I wanted to do and how I thought I was going to make it. And, um, that was just, you know, I guess by the time I was probably 24, I was just thinking, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I can remember all of our conversations about mm-hmm. that. Mostly, mostly on Gchat yeah. via Gmail and another strong technology. Yeah. Um, I, I Honestly, I probably still have them saved because I think they just yeah. go into this permanent cloud. We should bust them yeah. out one day and just like, uh, you know, <laughs> print them out and, and, and read yeah. them back. 
back from 08 and see the ridiculous stuff we used to say yeah. to each other. Um, mostly while I was working at Liberty Property Trust during the day. Yeah. So I apologize, Liberty. I, I wasn't really paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, so you, so you do that. And, and what I want people to understand, and I because I tell the story a lot to, uh, you know, especially some of the younger people I work with and and lead and mentor is that you you didn't work nine to five. You worked nine to five plus five to midnight. Yeah. One. Yeah. You know, and, and you did that, what, four nights a week? Because uh, I remember you went to Morton's at one point and yeah. in D.C. and you'd work your nine to five. You kick off that. You jump in the shift probably a little later than most because you had to finish your, your day job. And then you would walk out of there with a few hundred bucks in cash. Yeah, it was uh, I would be there at least Wednesday through Friday and then also on Saturdays and Sundays. So five nights a week, usually. Um, and I just, you know, the thing was back then, I didn't know what I know now about, uh, you know, getting investors, private equity, uh, bank loans. I, I didn't know any of that stuff. And also it wasn't as much of a, you know, this is 2007, you know, 2008. It wasn't as much of a hot button as it is now, you know, with all the you know people yeah. getting investors in general. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't as, it wasn't as talked about as much. People weren't doing as many as, of those kinds of deals. And so I didn't know what I was doing. And I just guess I thought I had to work until I saved enough money to do it with my own cash. And so that's what I started. That's what I did. And that's what I started doing over those, you know, five or six years, I uh, was working and saving and working and saving and working and saving. And it, it took a long time. It was most of it was a four year stint at Morton's during my, you know, with my nine to fives and Morton's was very good to me. The, um, it was the Connecticut Avenue. So we would have, you know, John Boehner come in and, uh, you know, uh, DC, Alan Greenspan and, and, and different, uh, you know, D.C. politicians, Robert Gates, the old secretary of defense come in. And so it was, uh, you know, it was the who's who of D.C. It was very busy. Um, it was uh, just a great way for me to make cash after the nine to five and start to save and save and save and figure out how am I going to you know, eventually open this bar. Right. But even though you took that approach, which maybe was kind of the long way, um, probably more lessons learned during that time and probably more satisfying to you now to say that that's the way you did it versus like, you know, getting lucky by somebody throwing some money yeah. behind you or, or even being subject to that. Cause your first investment that you went into, which was a town bar and grill, which is now it's, it's Bronson. Yeah. Beer it's Hall now, right? Beer Hall now, yep. Yeah. Reconcepted to that. And, but your first thing that you went into, you were able to get like a 50% share. Yeah, that's right. right. Um, I, 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 well, I was a 50% partner. Um, and, and, uh, you know, so what I guess I had saved at that point, like a little over a hundred thousand dollars from all those years of working. And I worked with a bank and gave the bank that money and they held that money as collateral, um, you know, as well as my house and my car and all that stuff. Cause I had bought a home along the way and, right. and did a cash secured loan. And the bank gave me like $270,000. And I used that money to become, you know, a 50% partner in a town, which was the first place. And that opened in August of 2012. Right. Right. And, and which is incredible. I mean, that just to, to do that, is an awesome success story and it is really about the grind it's not about you being i don't know developing some genius app and and you know becoming rich overnight it, it, it's it's about really just hard work and you deciding that you know and this is not to to put you down at all but like maybe i'm not some super yeah. genius yeah. freak and maybe i'm just a kid from Summers Point, New Jersey, that knows what he wants to do and and is and is going to. Yeah, go I mean, I, I I say that to you all the time. I wish I had been a little bit smarter. I would have done a tech product or, or to your point, an <laughs> yeah. app. I would have created Airbnb or something, you know. Right. But 
but um but no you're you're exactly right i mean it was uh it was it was a true day-to-day grind you know the goal like basically my goal on average at morton's was to make like 200 bucks a night um and 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 then save that money and so it was every every week going to the bank deposit some cash next week do it again and it was a long road and it was you know most my most my nine to fives were in virginia my my nighttime job was in dc so i would take the train you know um in the DC in between my jobs and then take the train home at night. And so, yeah, I, I, w- I would leave at, you know, seven 30 or eight in the morning, get home at like midnight and it was exhausting. And it was a lot of fun too. You know, I, I, I still love that restaurant work and that hustle. So it was fun to burn off steam from the nine to five, you know, running around a restaurant and having fun with, with the people I worked with. So it was a, but it was a hustle. It was a hustle. And then we, uh, you know, it, it, it all panned out in the end. And to your point, it was, you know, it's something I can look back on and say that was, that was a brutal road, but it, it got me to where I wanted to be. And so what else can be like that? And, and, and uh, just be excited about where it all went. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, you know, after all that happens, there was another personal decision you made in 2020, 2020, yeah. today's 2020, 2010. Um, you know, my wife and I, Jamie, we got married in, in early March. You know, you're one of the groomsmen. You come out there at that point, I could kind of notice that maybe, maybe your mindset was not in the best place. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you enjoyed yourself. We, we had fun. I mean, nothing, nothing bad happened at the wedding or anything like that, but I could yeah. just kind of tell like, Oh man, I, I'm just, this, this guy's not look, not looking yeah. like he's feeling great. Yeah. I was know? at the end of my road there. And, I mean, uh, at your wedding, that was a couple months before I got sober permanently. And, um, I, you know, that, that was at the time where, you know, maybe I was having a little bit of fun with it, but I was having a lot of bad times with it too. And I, I, re- I distinctly remember being at your wedding and, uh, you know, sneaking out to the limo several times, like sneaking out of the church before, maybe after, maybe not during hopefully the wedding, but, but, but I remember, I remember, I remember sneaking out to the limousine <laughs> that you had, you know, several times to chug uh, bottles and, and get whacked in the limo and come back to my, my post. And so, that was definitely that was I guess two months before it was all over, uh, and I threw in the towel with, on the sauce forever. But it was definitely getting to a time in my life. I mean, I, I started. You remember I started when we were sixteen, seventeen, drinking. Obviously, like many do, and and um, yeah, you 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 know you recall. I, I tell people that for me it was something. It was an obsession. It was something I pursued very aggressively from the start. Um, it became a huge part of my persona and and who I was as a person. This sort of party, uh, you know, uh, this, this this party image and. I, I burned it out hard. I think, I think when we were still young, I think 17, 18, 19, I think even in those years, I was already saying to myself and realizing, you know what, you, you like this a little bit too much. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this too much. I'm drinking too much. I, I have a dependency on this. Um, but I kept it going for, for a long time. And there was a stretch, I think when we lived in that house in, in South Jersey, before I moved to DC, there was a stretch where I got off of it and I was sober for like a hundred days or so. And I went back and then I moved yeah. to DC and then, I moved to D.C. and it was a, a long, rough, probably, uh, you know, probably two, two and a half years of um, actually more like four years of, of drinking in D.C. And then um, uh, and then finally, finally gave it up in, in 2020. It was certainly the, the best decision I ever made, probably personally and professionally. Um, it just just has helped me yeah. to really focus and center. And, um, you know, this past May was 10 years. And I don't you know, I don't take that lightly. I remember when I got sober, I had been drinking hard for like 10 years. And I remember thinking to myself. I wonder if I could ever go as long sober as I did, you know, drinking. And so, you know, kind of got there this year, right. 10 years, and now just kind of leaving it, leaving it in the past and in the rearview mirror and, and happy to be where I am without, you know, getting fucked up all the time for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at some point, you know, I, I think 
part of the thing is like when we were young doing that, um, I was even talking to Jamie the other night about how, you know, I, I started running into problems with anxiety and, yeah. and things like that in my senior yeah. year of high school. And, and I never even, even at the time, not even 10 years after that, but more like 20 years after it, I look at it and go, well, I never really drank until senior year. And then all of a sudden, like at least one night or both nights of the weekend, you know, uh, us and our, our gang we hung out with were, you know, we're drinking yeah. a lot for young yeah. kids. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it, I'm sure it was, I was always, you know, me, we used to always joke. I, I was the one that was always getting sick. Yeah. You're, you're, you're the hangover king. <laughs> yeah. I was, uh, I couldn't eat. You remember you always were like, why can't you eat? Yeah. I'm like, I just can't the next day. <laughs> I feel terrible. <laughs> but, uh, looking back at that, I'm like, wow, that kind of messed with, with my own state of mind. So I can only imagine if I was, you know, if I had been doing it as, as much as, as you were back in the day, you know, post-college and whatnot, cause you know, once we got out of that and even in college, I wasn't really like a, a big drinker. I'd see some of my friends that the kind that would go out almost every night and I'd be the guy that just went out maybe two, two yeah. nights a week type thing, you know, but, uh, but still, even now, I mean, even in my life today, you know, we go through COVID and a couple of weeks, a couple of months ago, I realized like I, I'm going to wine like every night, you know, I'm going to uh, a whiskey mixed drink. And then I, I decided like, yeah, I didn't decide to give it up, but I'm like, I better like just watch it, you know, not, not get into that mode where yep. it's every yep. single night, you know, space it out and watch yourself. And because once it becomes habitual, then it's super hard to. No to question, man. No question. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to go too far with this. I, I don't want to get too political, but it's like they always say, I mean, there's, there's all these laws on all these drugs, but there's, there's no drug in this country that is taking its toll and, and, uh, breaking people down and uh, creating dependency issues and problems like our old friend alcohol. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in a weird world because I own yep. these bars and I also am a recovering alcoholic. And so I'm kind of in this strange place where it's like, you know, I, I serve alcohol, but at the same time I'm helping people at times, you know, especially friends and just people I know in the community, uh, you know, get sober. And it's like, people always say to me like, you know, well, well are you sure that, you know, do, do you, do you don't find it hard to own bars and then and be a recovering alcoholic? And, you know, it's, it's almost like it's a, it, it helps in a way. It's a reminder. I see the sad things that alcohol does and, um, you know, how, how much it can, can hurt. And so it's, it's important to, to know, to, to be able to have fun with it. And I, you know, I tell people to this day, if you know, whatever makes you happy, do, do that. If, and if, if you are going to be yeah. truly happy in your heart of hearts and in your mind, drinking, you know, 25 beers a day, then drink 25 beers a day. But if those 25 beers a day are going to make you a, a very sad, unhappy person and create problems in your life, which they probably are, then, then you know, adjust that. Yeah. And I'm not saying get sober. Maybe drink two beers a day. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe drink a couple beers a day and then on the weekend, drink five beers. You know, everyone's got to find their own happy place, right? And I think that's the most important thing with yeah. it is whatever makes you happy. If, if knocking back a few drinks every day for the rest of your life makes you happy, have at it. Uh, but if you get to a place where you're, you're in a bad place with it and it's, and it's dangerous and you know, you gotta, you gotta get away from it. And for me, Alcoholics Anonymous was where I first went, um, was there for a while. I went to a lot of meetings. I never really worked the program the right way. And through the steps, I never got a sponsor. I would just go to meetings to listen and to learn. Um, and I found that the people there are just so warm and caring. And so people, people have this image of AA from movies and what they may see or hear or read or, uh, but you go there and it's just great people who, uh, you know, just want to help other people and it's free 
Um, and it's yeah. and they also and, and on top of all that, by the way, they have the highest success rate of any anyone in uh, any group in the world for for helping alcoholics get sober. Uh, because that's all because and, and, and I think a lot of it is for that reason. It's 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 not a it's not a it's not a company out to make money. It's not a special interest group. It's it's people that are there to help. And if you go there and you work through the program, it can be great. And so I, I like I said, I didn't work through the program the way I should have. I, I sometimes I wish I did, but I did a lot of AA. Uh, finally, uh, you know, got done. And that was it. And it's been 10 years and there's definitely no looking back. And my life is in a much better place. Um, you know, as far as my health, my relationships with people, definitely with what I've done with work. I mean, back then I was, when I got sober, I was, you know, daydreaming about getting one bar, but I couldn't really figure it out and put it together. And, you know, now here we are later. And so it's, it was, it's been a good ride. Yeah, that's great, man. And I think you're right about people just, you have to know yourself and you have to be self-analytical what's going on and, and be honest with yourself, you know, that, and that's, to me, that's really it. And then seek, seek the help that you might need. Um, so I think that's a good message for everybody. Um, so, you know, you you do that, you open your first businesses and then things just seem like, I guess probably within about maybe two years of a town having been open, which was, what was that? That was 2009. When was that? exactly? Oh, okay. Okay. So you get old and you just, these years, they just don't (laughs) even make sense anymore. But, uh, 2012, (laughs) So 2012, and then and then it's pretty quick. I mean, it's it's the next bar, yeah. it's Don Tito. It's you know, then you're starting to get into uh, this bash boxing gym concept. There's just been so many business since, yeah. businesses since then. Um, what's your your mindset right now with how you're continuing to go after opportunities? I mean, and we've had the pleasure of working on some stuff together uh, through my consulting company. And, uh, you know, most recently the, the playful pack concept, which is the dog daycare and, and boarding. I mean, it just seems like you're branching out into a lot of different things. Like, is there, is there an overarching philosophy or just like, I'm going to go after what I think is a, a good yeah, sure. So I think, um, you know, a couple, just, just maybe a couple main things that are driving it is first off, small business is just where I feel my sweet spot is, you know, where we grew up, that's really most of what there was. And that's where I had a lot of experience from working in restaurants to, different, um, you know, small, small biz operations. I felt like it's what I understood and what I can be successful at and, and what I want to do. I, I, I enjoy it. Like you're saying, um, you know, there's, there's great stuff out there that are, that's, you know, much bigger and tech products and all these things everywhere. But I, I like the feel of someone coming to a business and getting a service or having food or, you know, something along those lines. Um, and so small business is just what I felt my sweet spot was. And after I had the success in, in restaurants and bars, I just started to think of what else I might be able to do, but they're really the only way I do it. And the way I can do it is just looking for people who I think are experts in their field um, who want to grow and want to do something um, and, and be, uh, you know, an, a business owner themselves and really grow a brand and, and be successful. But right now they're, they're, they're not, or they're, they're looking for a way to get that. And so when we did, you know, our dog daycare company, our, our boxing company, uh, some of our restaurant concepts with the way that we collaborate with, you know, maybe unsigned chefs or people that don't own a business yet um, to to our group fitness with Bash Boxing. Um, each one of those, you know, companies has, a, you know, a really dynamic individual or two or more who, who is not me, who is very, very good at what they do and, and uh, you know, a star in their own right. And, um, you know, that that's what we look for. And so, you know, you look at the success of some of our younger brands like, 
uh, you know, playful pack with my brother running it, uh, bearded goat barber with my partners, John and Eric running it, bass boxing um, with Alex Trakis, um, you know, young lady who's the CEO there. They're, the companies are, are really have a, um, you know, someone in the, someone running them that is, um, you know, just who I, what I would call, you know, an, an amazing person, an amazing talent that, that also is a good person and a good people person. And we try to try to find people who are good leaders, who people can get behind and, and all that stuff. And so, you know, if I find an industry that I think uh, there's a potential to really do well in, which in, in the DC metro area right now, I think that uh, dog daycare, I think that, uh, you know, high-end barbershops, I think that, uh, you know, the boxing and group fitness stuff that we're doing, I think there's room in all those injuries, uh, industries for, for a, you know, more successful groups to come in. Um, if there's, if there's room and there's a good opportunity, and then also we have the right person or I, you know, I meet the right person who I think really has what it takes to, to do well, then it makes sense to, uh, to give it a shot and, and give it a go. And so that's sort of the model and has been the model, uh, for the past, you know, bunch of years. Um, all right. So we're running up against the, uh, the end of our time here. Got a lot of stuff to do the rest of this Friday. I know, uh, I know big P is busy as always. Yeah. Um, so listen, man, uh, the last question I have for you is what's next on the horizon. <laughs> Matt, um, I, I, I don't know. You know, we have the, we have the Nighthawk pizza deal. We're very excited about, um, <clears throat> as I said earlier, we're definitely in growth mode for pretty much everything that we do just to try to find good deals right now during all this. We're, we're certainly not killing it right now. Um, you know, all of our, the goal for all of our stores is to just stay alive through 2020. We have had two stores closed, so you know we're not we're not just killing it across the board. But but for the brands that are doing well and, and that we're already going to grow regardless, we're lo- we're looking for places to grow. So we're going to sign a few more dog daycare deals. Um, you know, this year for sure, we're definitely going to probably do another barber shop. Um, Bashes got some very very big announcements uh, on the way that um, you know I, I shouldn't share until they come out in, in early 2020 and. Um, you know, same thing for restaurants. We're looking for restaurant spaces. So stuff is coming up. It's a, it's a good time to, to look for deals and, and be aggressive if, if you're willing to, to be a little gutsy. And so we'll, we'll see what comes next. Well, I think that's the way to approach it, especially in the time we're in now, like you said before, when, you know, space is a little cheaper and, and interest rates are still low and, and the ability to source capital that's on the sidelines that, that wants to get in the game. I mean, now's the time to do it. You know, yeah. obviously you want to be, you want to be smart about it. Like you always are and look at the opportunity and analyze it and break it down. But I mean, why be afraid right now? You know, yeah. I mean, we're going to come out the other side of this. It's obviously going to be a few more months of, of battling through, but once we come out, you know, we've talked about it a couple of times, the pent up demand on the other side of this. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm almost scared I know. how much there is. <laughs> Because... It's just going to be pandemonium. People are just going to be partying in the streets nationwide, like New Orleans. Just... It's going to be Mardi Gras in the USA yeah. for the whole second half of 2021. I hope so, and I and I believe so. If I was if I was forced to bet, which I am, and I am betting, so uh, <laughs> I, I I think uh, I think that yes, I think it's going to be uh, a big year for for everyone. Hopefully, for everyone, and uh, you know. Look forward to it. Look forward to coming out of this. I think these next, we've talked about this, you and I offline, but I think these next few months are not going to be the most fun uh, for anyone. And, and uh, you know, we'll see how we come out next summer, man. But I'm, I'm hopeful and look forward to it. And great talking, man. Thanks for having me on. I am too. And, uh, yeah, couldn't thank you more for, for joining, honestly. I mean, I said it to you a million times. I'm, I'm super proud of you as a friend and 
and as a person and as a business person. And uh, Thanks, man. You, were, you were the only person that was going to close this thing out at the end of season one for the No Code podcast, which, <laughs> you know, I, I am, I mean, I'm so excited to be doing this. Um, I'm almost a little bummed to stop right now, but I do have to stop to sort of, you know, get through the holidays and <clears throat> do some uh, homework on my end. And, you yeah. know, we had like four audio disruptions in this. So, you know, we might have to uh, make some changes and get some better technology. And I've got a list of like 50 people I want to talk to next year. And I'm, I'm going to have to pare that down a little bit. But um, I, I really thank everybody out there for listening through this entire I only started in late September and cranked out 10 episodes. So, um, you know, everybody that's listened, uh, special shout out to Sean Grieve, my brother's good buddy from uh, William and Mary. The guy today is texting me. He's listening to all 10 episodes today. Wow. <laughs> Dude, listen, does Joe Rogan even have fans like that? I mean, what the fuck? I, I, okay, I have a friend who if he misses Howard Stern for like the week or whatever, he will sit around and listen to all the Stern shows. But then again, that's the king of media. I mean, you yeah. are you – hold on. Let us, we need to ask ourselves this question, this question, and we need to be able to answer it truthfully and transparently to ourselves. After one season – are you now on the same level as Howard Stern, the king of media? <laughs> you might be. I, I, I might be there. I don't know. You might, you know might be there. You might be there. Well, well, I guess I should be congratulating you on your success, my man. Well, I, I greatly appreciate it. <laughs> and uh, we'll end on that note. Season one. My man. It's a wrap. Let's shut it the hell down. Let's shut it down. Enjoy the holidays, and I'm coming at you hard yep. in 2021 in mid-January. Happy holidays. Keep the change, you filthy animals. Let's get it. All right. All right, man. I'll see you, my man. See Take you. care.